following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. As the fourth and fifth graders are, I was going to say exiting the building. They don't, they're, they're not leaving the building, don't worry. Um, as they're finding their way out of the sanctuary. Grab your Bible or your electronic device. We are going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 13 this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 13. It's going to be past what we call the Pentateuch or the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy would be the law or the first five books of the Bible. And we're going to go into some of the history of essentially God's people, which would be the Jews. That's a section of Old Testament um, scripture. <clears throat> and... Uh, as you're going there, um, some resources for you. Uh, I preach out of the ESV. That gets asked of me a lot. Jordan, what version of the Bible do you preach out of? Uh, English Standard Version of the Bible. NIV is a good one, too, as well. And then uh, if you have an electronic device and you want um, something that's electronic, uh, ESV is online uh, as an app um, or ESV.com or org, I think it is. Or you can use U version of the Bible, too, as well. That can give you some study tools. We're looking at Father's Day, and uh, what we're going to talk about this morning is uh, what does it mean to be a, a man or a woman after God's own heart? What does, that, what does that look like? What does it look like to be a man after God's own heart? I love the quote that says, God is impressed by the one who seeks him with everything that they have. And that's something that you and I can think about this morning. Do I seek after the Lord Jesus with everything that I have? When I wake up in the morning, do I seek Jesus with everything that I have? When I'm in the middle of my day and things are stressful with work or with the kids or whatever your situation and circumstances might be, do I seek honoring Jesus with everything that I have? Or maybe before you go to bed at night, do you contemplate, did I seek Jesus with everything that I have? Paul gave a sermon at Antioch, and he briefly told the history of Israel. He told about their ups, and he told about uh, their downs. Paul was a preacher, and he was an evangelist. He traveled to and fro, talking about Jesus Christ and the gospel and what the gospel means and how it applies to every single human being. And Paul was telling the people who were gathered there, much like we do every single Sunday, about God's people, and he talked about a man named King David. And I don't know if you guys know King David or not, but King David and I have a lot in common, and my folks are here in the building this morning, so they're probably going to say amen a few times, but King David had a lot of lows, and here were some times where they didn't think that he would make it. Um, he had various girlfriends, and they're like, this isn't going to be a, a good one for you. That's not a good wife for you. And then he kind of went all over the place, and then he did some things that were good, though, too, as well. Um, David was somebody in the Bible that we look at as being a leader of God's people. And man, he sought the Lord with everything that he had. And David is the only person in the biblical text that God looks at. And he said, he's a man after my own heart. Why would God say that about him? As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, it said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all of my will. A man after God's own heart, do all of his will. Is a statement, every Christian, if you have confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you entered into this place, and you said to yourself, I am a Christian. I know what it means to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I know that he came into the world to save the world and not condemn the world. 
I know that he's with me and he's for me. I know he will never leave me. I know he will never forsake me. If that's you, then what we strive for as we discipline ourselves is to become more like Christ in a man or a woman after his own heart. So we answer the question today, what does it look like to be a man or a woman after God's own heart? Good question. The first thing after the study of the scripture and the text, and we're going to look at David's journals here a little bit in the book of Psalms, the first thing that I would see what it looks like to be a man or a woman after God's own heart is that you have to first and foremost love the Word of God. you got to love the Word of God. If you're taking notes with me this morning, number one is you have to love the, Lord, uh, love the Word of God. And we're going to go into 1 Samuel chapter 13, and we're going to look at that here this morning. So 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 13. It says, And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commands of the Lord your God, to which he commanded you. Just making sure I'm in the right spot. And he said, For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. There it is. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over all of his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord has commanded to you. Two things I have underlined in my Bible is verse 13 where he says you have done foolishly. In other words, the opposite of what God's word says. And so you don't get to be what they uh, would assume to be a righteous kingdom. But David is going to do what the word of God says. And he is going to be somebody who is going to be found as a man after God's own heart. If we were to take that passage of Scripture and parallel it with David's essentially journal, if we look in the book of Psalms, we realize that it's David's journal. It's something that he wrote down all of his thoughts when he was far from God and he was doing the opposite of what God wanted him to do. We see all of his feelings kind of dictated and jotted down there. And then we see when, God, when he was seeking after the Lord and he was loving him and he was passionate about him, we see some of his emotions and his feelings there. So we're going to look at some of the verses that David talks about in Uh, Psalm chapter 119 and some other passages because it gives great insight to the internal and external contemplations that are going on as David is trying to pursue God's will. And he knew that it had to go into a love for his word. In Psalm 19, he writes this. He says, and it'll be on your screen. He says, I loved the law of the Lord. The first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. God gave his people a rule book on how they were to live. And David said, I loved that book because it showed me the ways in which I was supposed to go. It was on my mind all day long. I thought about it. I contemplated it. I got up in the morning. I read it. I reread it. I highlighted it. They didn't have highlighters back then. But I sought after everything that I had. And I found some great delight in the commandments of God. Can you say that about the scripture that you read? When you open up your Bibles and you're seeking God's will, because that's what everybody wants. How do I do God's will? First thing is you become his child. You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. He saves you from your sin. The Bible tells us that the blood that Jesus shed on the cross was sufficient for the remission of your sins. And then he gives you a guide on how to live. And when you study that scripture, do you say to yourself as you're reading God's word, I love this word that God has given to me. 
It's on my mind all day when you go into your job or take care of your kids or do the things that you do all day long. Can you say that the verses that you have studied in the morning are on your mind all day long and that you find great delight that God is leading you in the ways that you should go? In other words, you say to yourself, I kind of want to do this thing, but I know God's word says that's not good for me. This way is good for me. And I'm going to find delight in the fact that God is leading me to his ways. But David doesn't finish in there, does he? He says, not only do I find it internally to be rewarding, I tell the world about God's law. I speak out about it in public. Unembarrassed, keyword, cherishing all of it. Psalm chapter 119, he wrote that down in his journal. Why should we love the word of God? Good question. First of all, let's look at why David loved it. First thing that David saw, and this isn't going to be in your notes, but, or maybe it is. He protects him from sin. David knew the more time that he spent in the word of God, the more protected he was from sin. How do we know that? Psalm chapter 119, verse 11 says, I stored up your word in my heart. We would say the stored up means memorization. He knew it backwards and forwards. That I might not sin against you. It protected him from sin. Anyway, anytime David did what he wanted to do, it would result in failure. But then when he saw him, he knew God's word and he submitted to God's word and he stored that word up in his heart. It protected him from sin. Second thing, it restored him when there was hard times. How many times do we go through situations and circumstances in our life when we have hardships and we would say, Ah, things are just kind of all over the place right now. I just don't have peace. And the question I ask people is, have you spent time in God's word? Mm. 95% of the time, I would say sometimes even greater than that, people who are dealing with hardships and don't have peace about those hardships have not spent time in the word. David knew the more time he spent in the word, the more it protected him from hardship and gave him internal peace while the world was raging around him. How do we know? The word says it. This is my comfort. In my affliction, that I go to the word of God. I love it. His promises give me life. God gives us promises. He shares his truth about who he is and the fact that he is in control. And David knew that those promises that God gave him gave him life. He didn't have to worry. The Bible tells us 365 times, do not be afraid. Do not worry. And David knew it. Because it would restore him in hardship. If I go to the word of God, I will be protected from sin. If I go to the word of God, I will be restored in hardship. And if I go to the word of God, at the end of the day, I know I will have great peace of mind. I have great peace of mind. David knew that if I would spend time in the word, it would give me peace. A peace that passes all understanding. He says, great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble because they know what the word of God says. Jesus loved the word of God. We're going to look at him this morning as our illustration for all of the principles that we're talking about here this morning. Jesus loved the word and he referred to it constantly. As a matter of fact, Jesus referred to the Old Testament more uh, in his life in the ministry than than stuff that he would say just uh, as a new teaching, if you will. And when he went back into the Old Testament, he quoted from it and he called it the wisdom of God. Seventy-eight times Jesus talked about the Bible. Twenty-six times he talked about the law. Hundreds of places in the Old Testament predicted the events of the new. 
They testified to the greatness and the authenticity of Scripture. And Jesus Christ himself says to you, and he says to me, that man should not live on anything but the word of God. Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. What is every word that comes from the mouth of God? That would be this, the Bible. In a world that we live in with a culture that's changing, do you believe that all 66 books of God's word prove true and give you the ability to know how to live your life in a way that would honor God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and know how to love your neighbor as yourself? It's amazing how many times we talk to Christians and I ask them, do you believe that every single word of God proves true? That all scripture is breathed by the Holy Spirit. It's the word of God. It's amazing to me how many people go, wow, man, I don't know. Never thought about that. This book is the guidepost of our life. And to be a man or a woman after God's own heart means that we love God's word. We desire it. We crave it. And what about you? Where are you at? Where are you in loving God's word? <laughs> I talked to a guy the other day. He said, Jordan, I'm, I tell you what, I've been a Christian for 30 years, and God's word has just become stale. What do I do? Good question. I said, you know, anytime that you have an issue or a circumstance or a situation that feels outside of your control, the Bible tells us we should pray about it. I said, have you asked God to give you a desire for his word? He said, no, I didn't know I could do that. I said, you can do that. Ask God to give you a desire for his word. If you find the Bible boring and you look at it and you go, man, I don't even know where to start, we ask Jesus Christ for a desire for his word. As people who long to be men and women after God's own heart, how is it that you find yourself with God's word? Do you find yourself loving it? Craving it? Do you hide it in your heart? Do you find it to be a source of comfort in the times of trials? Do you run to it when your marriage hits the rocks? Do you run to it when your kids fall away? Do you run to it when you have problems that are outside of your control? Does it give you peace of mind? If not, then you should give listen to what Psalm said, or David said in Psalm 1. I delight in the law of the Lord. I discipline myself to delight in the word and to meditate upon it daily. Men and women who find themselves to be after God's own heart love God's word. David knew it. Do you know it? Second thing, if we love God's word, we'll love prayer. Prayer has always been a hard thing for me. <clears throat> always has been. This is the biggest thing I struggle with. Uh, I don't know where I fall on, on prayer a whole lot because I know that God hears my voice. But I grew up in the church and I understood that I sat through a lot of prayer meetings where I think people were more concerned about hearing themselves talk than, <laughs> than talking to Jesus. And if you say amen, you know what I'm talking about. There's been a lot of times where I'm like, did you just pray to Jesus or did you just want to hear yourself give a nice little sermon this morning? And we sit here, we look here, and what David says is, David said, being a man after God's own heart, he loved to talk or pray to God. Look at Psalm uh, 116. It says, I love the Lord because he heard my voice. Before we go any further, do you know that God hears your voice when you pray to him? If you're a child of God, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, I think one of the biggest things for Christians to get over is just the fact that God hears you. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you drive a truck for a living and you spend time in prayer in your truck, or if you're a secretary and you spend time uh, praying to God while you're, you're at work, or if you're a mom, or whatever you are, God hears your voice. 
God heard David's voice, he hears your voice. He hears your pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear, is what the passage says. So I will call on him as long as I live. David's love for prayer was based on the fact that God answered him in the past. Now, God didn't always say yes to David, and he's not always going to say yes to you. And when he doesn't say yes to you, what the normal Christian will do is they'll stop talking. They sit there and they say, well, God obviously doesn't hear my voice. He obviously doesn't hear. He doesn't give me everything they want. How can a good father give you, not give me everything I want? Well, you're kind of a spoiled, rotten kid. <laughs> because a good father doesn't give you everything that you want, right? A good father doesn't give you everything. He wants to give you everything, but he doesn't because he knows it won't be to your benefit. My youngest daughter loves candy, and she comes after me at 8 o'clock in the morning. Dad, it's time for breakfast. I said, John, what do you want for breakfast? I want candy. We can't have candy. Why not? Well, in her four-year-old mind, I can't explain to her rationally why she can't have candy for breakfast. But I know the reasons why. So it is with the Heavenly Father and us. God, why didn't you answer my prayer? God, why didn't you take care of me in my distress? I would love to answer you, but I created the heavens and the earth. He says it to Job. Who are you? Where were you when the heavens were created? Surely you know. And we want God to explain to us why he says no. But sometimes he says no. And regardless of whether it is a yes or a no or a wait, we still talk to him. We still communicate with him. Because David knew the more time he spent in prayer, the more it brought God closer to him in every season. Look what he says, Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him. When is the last time? And let's just be honest here this morning. Be honest with yourself. When is the last time you called upon the Lord in prayer? Some of you are doing really good at that. You really are. You're doing great at it. Some of us, if you were to be honest, you would say it's been months since I spoke to Jesus. Some of us, the same with the word of God, would say, I've been months since I've been in my word. It's been months since I picked up this text. And some of us look at it and we go, God, but we want you to bless me. Man, God, would you work in my life? And he says, okay. Pick up my word for a little bit. Watch how I work and how I operate. Communicate with me. Talk to me. Look at Jesus again. Jesus was a man of prayer. He made it a point to pray privately. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Times of trial when he faced death. He gave the, the most intimate prayers. Luke chapter 23. People were persecuting him, and Jesus says, Father, what? Forgive him. It wasn't a prayer for anything. He wasn't praying for anything. He wasn't asking for anything except for forgiveness for the people who were persecuting against him. If we were to look at that prayer intently, we could see that Jesus is just in communication with his heavenly Father. Luke chapter 23. And so into your hands, because these people are going to continue to persecute me, I give you my spirit. I give it all over to you. We have to discipline ourselves to devote time in God's word. But it has to be partnered in personal prayer too as well. David spent time in the word, and then boom, he moves over and he spends time in prayer. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, 
When you spend time in prayer, it gives you a peace that passes all understanding. How are we doing? Do you pray without ceasing? If the answer is no, then the first prayer must be to seek after Jesus Christ and ask him to give you a desire for a good prayer life. My dad's here, so I get to pick on him a little bit. I remember two things about my dad growing up. One, as he pointed his finger a lot like this. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I also remember that we had this uh, countertop table at our house. Remember that? And there was a little tiny TV set. Dad can't study without a TV on. Most of the time I'm talking about you, you're not here, which is easier. And on that tiny TV would be the Chicago Cubs. And my dad, being the daddy is, the great daddy is, he had a pair of glasses, and he fought like crazy before he got bifocals. So my dad would flip his glasses down, watch the Cubs game, flip his glasses back on, and go back to his study of his sermon. He could do it so fast. Oh, he's so quick at it. He'd go, so funny. You remember that? He would say, oh, the Cubs lose again. I I remember his Bible was open, and I thought he was praying for me, and I think he was praying for the Cubs to win. (laughs) To this day, though, to this day, I can tell you, and I'm going to preach this to you at your funeral, is that I can remember my dad's Bible being open on the counter and him studying it. He had a passion and a love for God's Word. And more is caught than taught. And you dads who got kids, when you have your phone and you got it open, you may be reading the Bible, but your kids don't know that. For all they know, you're texting somebody. There's something to be said about that Word of God that's sitting out on the table and a man who is diving into that Word. And there's something else to be said when that word is put down for a second, the eyes close, and we start to pray to a God who hears our voice, who inclines his ear. More is caught than taught, Dad. More is caught than taught, Mom. It's huge. Bethany's got her own little spot in our house. Every morning, the girls get up after breakfast, and she goes and does her devotions. More is caught than taught. Look what he says in Psalm 32, verse 6. Therefore, let all the godly, that's you, that's me, the godly. That's what God calls you. You know that? You confess in your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. You're godly. All sins, past, present, and future are paid for. Let all who are godly pray while there is still time. To voice your concerns to the Lord. The things that are going on in your life. May they not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. In other words, go to the throne of God and realize that he is shaking his fist at us and going, how could you do such a thing? No, a good father doesn't do that. He welcomes him. He says, he says I love when you talk to me. I love when you communicate with me. I want that for you. It does a father a great disservice. And I remember this even growing up. My dad would say, Jordan, just come talk to me. We would drive all the way to Canada. We'd sit in a boat and we'd talk back and forth and back and forth. That's what a heavenly father does. He listens. That's what an earthly father does. He listens. Talk to me. I want to talk to you. A love for the word of God. A love for prayer. A man or a woman after God's own heart. Look at the third thing. A love for praise. If you spent time in the word of God and you spent time in prayer, it produces praise. David said he found seven times a day to praise the Lord. Oh, that's a hard one. Do you have seven times a day where you praise the Lord? Man, that was convicting for me as I was looking at this this morning. 
seven times a day to praise the Lord because of God's righteousness. He wasn't asking for anything. He wasn't seeking anything. He was just praising God for who he was. Even though David had a massive problem with the flesh, he was determined to sing the Lord's praises as long as he lived. Look, Psalm chapter 140, this is his journal. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will praise my God to the last breath. I was talking to somebody the other day, because I noticed they don't sing a lot in church. I said, I noticed that you don't sing a lot in church. I said, is there something wrong? So Jordan, I'm just a really bad singer. I don't want anybody to know. <laughs> they said, but let me tell you what. When I'm in my car by myself, I turn the radio up, and I sing to Jesus. I said, that's cool. Can you bring some of that into this house? All day long. I thought it was amazing that they spend time singing in their car all over the place. I will sing to the Lord. I will praise him. Look at Jesus. Jesus loved the word. He loved prayer. And he loved to sing God's praises. In Matthew chapter 26, we see Jesus and his disciples singing praise to God the week before he was crucified. He sang God's praises. He is good in hard seasons. He's good in easy seasons. He's good in tough times. And he's good in times when things are okay. In the evaluation of spending time in God's word and prayer, how are we doing in praising the Lord? How are you doing? Just take a self-evaluation this morning. How am I doing spending time in God's word? How am I doing spending time in prayer? How am I doing in my time of praise? Do we take time to sing God's praises? Why should I do that? Praise the Lord. How good to sing praises to our God. It's a good thing. God loves a cheerful heart. How delighting and how fitting, David says. You know, it's interesting. Those who profess to be Christians praise the Lord. How often do Christians walk around with frowns on their faces instead of smiles for all God has done? How many times are we encouraged from somebody else who professes to be a Christian because of the smile on, the, on their face and the praise that they profess? I meet with a guy um, all the time. And he looks at me and says, Jordan, you need to smile more. 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 You just look mad. <laughs> I said, I got a lot on my mind. He said, I know, but just smile. Just practice it in your car. Just smile. It's good. The heart looks at that and says, man, it's good to praise the Lord. I know for some of you, that's, this is a big thing. It's huge. Last thing, we'll close with this this morning. <clears throat> a man or a woman after God's own heart loves God's word, loves spending time in prayer, loves deeply praising the Lord, and has a hatred for every false way. David said he hated every single false way, Psalm 119, because false ways went against God's guidelines for his creation. And... Because false ways affected daily activities and friendships. Psalm 101. Let's see if we can look at this together. David says, I refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. Right there is a convicting passage of Scripture for us as Christians. I hate all who deal crookedly. Right there is a convicting passage of Scripture. Because I love the Lord... Because I love his word, because I love speaking to him, 
And because I can praise Him for everything that He has done, I have nothing to do with all of the above. Can you say that? Can I say that? I'm going to reject perverse ideas. I'm going to stay away from them, from every evil. I'm going to search for faithful people who will be my companions and my friends. I'm going to search for people who are going to be faithful and want to follow Jesus Christ just as badly as I do. Only those who are above reproach are the people who I'm going to put into my circle who are going to be able to speak into my life. I won't allow deceivers to serve in my house, and liars will not stay in my presence. Can you pray that prayer? A man or a woman after God's own heart, can you pray that prayer? Wow. If I were you, I would go home, I would print that passage of Scripture out, and I would put it on your mirror. And every single morning, I would look at it, and I would say, God, here we go. (laughs) It was funny, this morning at our 9 o'clock hour, we were talking about marriage, and a couple that's in our church says that's what they do with each other. They look at each other and go, here we go, another day. Same with Jesus Christ. Can you pray that prayer? Jesus Christ hated every false ways. He hated every false teaching that went against God's will and his ways. He drove out the money changers in the temple, as most of you guys know. He repeatedly rebuked the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the teachers of the law. Jesus hated what was false, what was against God's word. Do you do that? Do I do that? What is your attitude regarding false ways? Are you passive with it? Uh, Tim at work, (laughs) you got to know Tim. He's just like that. He's just kind of a dirty old man. Yeah, but you laugh at his jokes, and when you laugh at his jokes, you essentially affirmed his ideals. Uh, but, But you don't know Karen. I mean, Karen's just like that. She's just negative. Yeah, and the more you're around her, you're negative too. Are we soft on what is worldly? Do we compromise our biblical truth for some temporary satisfaction? Or do we realize that we're involved in a battle over souls and the salvations of others? You realize that? Do you know that? I want to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. Do you want to love God's word? You want to spend time in prayer, talking to him and communicating with him? You spend time in praise, and when things come up that are against Scripture, do you speak on it? Now, notice in the life of David, he fell a lot. And it was easy for people who David approached and said, that's not, that's not right. That's a false way. They would look at him and say, yeah, but David, look at your life. Look at what you're doing. And that would tear him down. What David needed was somebody to say, you're right. And while you struggle and I struggle, we're going to seek to do what God's word says. I love what Paul says, because he knew it just like David knew it. <clears throat> Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I know that you're human. We're all human. And so we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, his word, prayer, praise, to knock down the strongholds that are going on in our lives. 
To knock down when people sit there and say, well, human reasoning says, or human emotion says. Or have you ever thought about it this way, which is contradictory to the word? We destroy those false arguments with God's word in prayer and praise. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. And we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them what it means to obey Christ. Why? Because life in the gospel of Jesus Christ is true life, and life lived by yourself is no life at all. Paul says that's why we do that. Because God's ways are better than our ways, and he proves them constantly. We can still love the world, but hate the sin that is in the world. So how do I become a man or a woman after God's own heart? Good question. David, while struggling with sin, knew the answer. It was one that did God's will according to his word. He knew it, or she knew it. If I could evaluate your life, and we could sit down together, and I could ask you hard questions. Number one would be, do you love God's word? Do you love this book? Not just love it to read it and study it, but to live it out as well. Is that you? And what about prayer? Where are you at there? Do you talk to God? Do you speak with him about the things that are going on in your life? Great resource, P-R-A-Y. I praise the Lord for what he has done. I repent of my sins, the things that I have done wrong. I ask him for things that are going on in my life that he would move and he would show his hand. And then I yield to his word that I just read. Easy. Do I love God's word? Do I love speaking to him? Do I love praising him for the things that he has done, whether it was a yes or a no or a wait? And do I hate every false way? My prayer for you this morning is that you would discipline yourself in these things to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, that's hard because it demands daily obedience. We know, Father God, that we are your children when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that you alone are Lord, we know that we are your children and we are called into your family. And after we're called into your family, now we have a responsibility to either be children who are bringing honor and glory to you and your name and your kingdom or doing you a disservice and being disobedient and rebelling against your truths and your word. And so, God, this morning, we look at this message, and we look at it as a checklist on Father's Day, on how to be men after your own heart, and how to be women after your own heart. God, I pray that you would search the people who are gathered here this morning. Help them to ask the hard questions to themselves. And where they are off, that they would ask you for assistance. That maybe even right here in the quietness of this place, they don't have a hunger for your word, to ask for a hunger for your word.
to plead with you to give them the desire for the text that is freely in front of us. And those who are even remotely hesitating on speaking to you this morning because it's been so long since we talked that they would right now break the silence. They would come back to you. They would pray and talk to you. Say, Lord, I'm so sorry that it's been so long since we talked. And would you help them to know that you hear their voice here this morning? And as we exit, Father God, would you give your people the ability to praise you for your word and the fact that you hear your people? Would you help us to be men and women who praise you seven times a day, that praise you 70 times a day, that can't stop praising your name in secret or in public with the believers or with those who are lost. And God, would you help us here this morning to know your word so well that we hate every false way, that it eats at us, that we could pray a prayer like David to help us not look at anything vile or vulgar or deal crookedly with the things in our life. That we would reject perverse ideas and stay away from all kinds of evil. That we would seek out faithful people to be our companions, those living above reproach. We wouldn't allow deceivers to speak into our life or liars to be in our presence. We believe that it's only through you and you alone, God, that these things are possible. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins, according to the scriptures and rose again, according to the scriptures. May the word of God this morning encourage your heart and may you live out the truths that are presented. In the text, and all God's people say. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab. 